Welcome into A to Z Sports Primetime from the Superbook Sports Studios. I'm your host, Buck Rising. I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by the wonderful folks at True Math Fitness in the Gulch. Go there for your boot camp classes, for your personal training, just to work out in one of the best facilities in downtown Nashville. TrueMathFitness.com for your first workout free. The Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. Your dream address without the stress is what the Ashton Group offers. Go to GaryAshton.com for more information. And Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook Sports app. Plug in the promo code ATOZ. Whether you're betting the College World Series, Major League Baseball, or the upcoming NFL season futures available right now in the Superbook Sports app. So as uh, we have just now concluded last week, the Titans 2023 offseason. We're looking around at Rand Carthon in his first year, his first offseason, and trying to evaluate, all right, given what we knew about the roster in the first place, and given all the moves that they've now made, both in the free agency portion, I mean, multiple rounds of free agency, we talk about the NFL draft and the work that they have done there, how would you evaluate the job that Rand Carthon has done to this point? So that's where we're going to start with your Two Rivers Ford take on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. How would you grade Titans general manager Rand Carthon's first offseason? Let me know in the comment section, and we'll talk about it together. While you guys do that, I will tell you about the people who make your Two Rivers Ford take possible. Of course, that is the fine folks at Two Rivers Ford. Go to Two Rivers Ford for quality, American-made Ford vehicles and award-winning customer service. Two Rivers Ford, 40 years in Middle Tennessee and more, many, many more great years to come with you as their customers. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. So how would you grade Rand Carthon's offseason? Comes in, hired from the 49ers, steps into a world where he's got questions at every position on the roster, basically, but punter. Um, coming into a franchise that's accustomed to uh, a certain amount of winning in the last couple of years. Seemed like they were on track to do that again, and then the bottom fell out in 2022, as we well know. Seven straight losses. Missed the playoffs um, by just uh, just a fraction of a second, a fraction of a moment, right? A forced fumble recovered for a touchdown that should have been called an incomplete pass. All these different things that ultimately saw the Tennessee Titans' demise in 2022. So Rand Carthon's tasked with not only doing better than the guy who just had six consecutive winning seasons or who had six consecutive winning seasons, but being tasked with replenishing the roster and managing a quarterback running back situation that is not necessarily an easy one, much less the books were a mess. Financially, they have been uh, they had been compromised and certainly reflected that in the way that they were able to go about addressing the roster this offseason. But on the whole, they did a lot of work with not a lot of money. And whether you value the work that they did or whether those ultimate those moves ultimately end up paying dividends, I'm certain not all of them will. That's just not how it works, but it remains to be seen. So with all that in mind, knowing that we won't know how all this looks together until they finally get on the field and start to play a couple of games, probably by October we'll have an idea of how well or um, how not so well the Titans moves this offseason ultimately worked out. So how would you grade his offseason thus far? 
Uh, we go back to moments like, uh, for example, what you have, um, what you have with the NFL draft, right? They draft six players this year, all on offense. They wait until the seventh round to take a wide receiver. Those are the kind of things for Rand Carthon that were interesting and are going to very much define how his first year of NFL NFL general managership, how it's ultimately judged. Yeah, just on me about 30 minutes ago that it was all offense. Um, we were just playing the board, and every time you came up at a pick, you know, uh, I guess the way it was stacked and it was ranked, your eyes went to the left, you know, and the way how board is uh, constructed. And a uh, healthy conversation on every pick and everyone that we took off the board that wherever we took them, we felt convicted. Uh, it just so happened to be all offense, but it wasn't a design plan or anything. So that's Rand Carthon after the draft, after the Saturday of the draft, after they had taken six picks all on offense and waited for the wide receiver, right? The draft, uh, of course, we know the draft class. We'll throw it up on the screen for you guys um, here on the primetime show this evening. This is the draft class. Peter Skaronsky, Will Levis, Tajay Spears in rounds one, two, and three. No fourth round pick because of Julio Jones. They take the tight end Josh Wiley from Cincinnati in the fifth. More offensive line depth, Jalen Duncan from Maryland, and then Colton Dow, the local product from Lebanon, Tennessee, and who played at UT Martin. So that's what the Titans 2023 draft class looks like. In addition to those draft class moves, right? They got the Jeffrey Simmons contract extension done. It was not top of market, so they didn't pay the most premium price, even though they did pay a premium price. In free agency, they were certainly active, clearing up cap space and releasing Lawan, Bullock, Cunningham, Robert Woods, uh, also cutting Bud Dupree as a part of that, releasing Ben Jones um, in addition to all of those things, then going on to sign Luke Gifford, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, Trayvon Wesco. You've got the additions of uh, you've got the additions of um, uh, Andre Dillard, the left tackle, and uh, some uh, Aziz Alshayer, the inside linebacker, who is going to be uh, one would assume a starting player for this football team. Chris Moore, the wide receiver. They also signed linebacker Ben Neiman, and that's basically the bulk of the work that they did in this free agency period. There's certainly some moves. Um, as they churn the bottom of the roster, uh, guys like Shaquille Brown, undrafted players like Jacob Copeland from Maryland, the wide receiver who are going to be worth watching in training camp and doing all of this while ma- managing a very difficult cap situation. Now, you you can say that there were some errors in judgment. One of the errors that's probably going to be cited and whether it ultimately ends up being an error that costs them or not, it just was from a, at least from a PR standpoint, the optics of Rand Carthon coming in and asking t- Kevin Byard for a pay cut wasn't going to be received well. But everything else that they've done, drafting Will Levis was certainly polarizing. Um, controversial is the wrong word. Maybe controversial and polarizing are the same thing. But I would say that Levis, um, Levis is a polarizing pick. That's something that's going to be very closely monitored for obvious reasons moving forward as they kind of look to uh, solidify the quarterback position beyond this season. Uh, for Derek R, it's a B minus. For Sed on YouTube, he says a B plus. Trilogy Taylor says D Hop raises me 
to a B. Uh, it says buy. I assume he means B or B plus either way. Uh, trilogy, we will get to how that might change things if they sign DeAndre Hopkins here in just a second. A minus if he gets D Hop again. We'll get to the DeAndre Hopkins thing. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about the things that he's done, not the things that he might do at this point. Um, Mo Francois, great name. A plus plus. Made the O-line better with the draft and free agency. Brought in some ballers on, ballers on defense and hired Chris Harris to make the secondary much better. Well, those last things, um, that last portion of it is uh, is Mike Vrabel more than it is um, Rand Carthon. Oh, we're doing grades, not numbers, says Jeff Rubel. I'd give it a D. Okay, so that's what Jeff Rubel says. Now, you know, C... C-plus is where I'm inclined to go with this right now. They did make a lot of moves on the offensive line. They had a need. They addressed it. Um, I think for the offensive line specifically, you cannot give him anything less than um, anything less than an A, specifically on the offensive line. Now, I think a lot of this is skewed by the lack of proven commodities that they added in their passing game. Again, they were financially limited. We'll talk about how that might change our opinions if and you know potentially when they land DeAndre Hopkins. There's a long, long uh, time from now. Baseball, by the way, uh, keeping an eye on the Vols, top of the eighth, two on, two out at this point for LSU, uh, down three runs to none at this point. Tennessee trying to keep their College World Series hopes alive. So we'll uh, keep an eye on this for you as it looks like uh, Tennessee is getting further and further away from keeping themselves in this game. Three outs, though, uh, there to get out of the inning, at the very least, with one run, one additional run scored by LSU. So keep an eye on that as we continue to to do the primetime show. Um, You know, the skill position player, I don't know what Austin Wiley is going to be, or Josh Wiley is going to be. I don't know that Colton Dow is going to make the football team. I don't know how much Chris Moore is actually going to help them. All I know is it's not a lot. Right, It's not a lot for a team that desperately needs help on offense. Now, the offensive line may make up for a great deal of that, and they're certainly far more built on running the football as long as Derrick Henry is around than they are on uh, having a uh, having a passing attack that is, you know, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, basically anybody who's not the Titans in the AFC at this point. I think that with that being said, including the draft picks, they did get the future uh, quarterback, it would seem, how well he pans out. Obviously, we won't be able to quantify or, or analyze for at least another season. Um, draft classes are hard to evaluate in real time, but you can certainly check them off based on need. So if I'm giving, if I'm going down the line of things, right, fixing the offensive line, or at least let's say not fixing yet because we don't know, but addressing the offensive line, passes with flying colors. Addressing the skill position group with a uh, a seventh-round wide receiver, a fifth-round tight end, and a running back in the third round with Derrick Henry on an expiring contract, I would say I get it. doesn't mean I have to love it. Um, it may work out for them. It may be you know exactly what they needed based on the offense they want to run. It still is hard for me to have great confidence in them. I would say that that is still uh, incomplete with DeAndre Hopkins still looming out there, but it's certainly not a uh, a plus um, in the column for Rand Carthon in year one as we sit here today. Quarterback, they did solidify the quarterback position 
with Will Levis. Whether Will Levis works out or not, again, it's about addressing the needs right now. They addressed a need, a need for at least a better backup quarterback, a better and more tenable future quarterback option than Malik Willis looked like he might be, though Willis, you know, will have the opportunity to compete. So, yes, pass on the addressing of the quarterback. Running back, you would have to give them a pass uh, because of what they did <coughs> behind Derrick Henry. I don't know how long Tajay Spears is going to last in the NFL. I don't know how much his uh, his overall, let's call it knee health, is going to sustain. But I know that he's an electric player, didn't seem to bog, bog him down last year, and that Derrick, in the last year of his deal, uh, you could certainly do worse than a three-down running back who they got in the third round. Then Tajay Spears, if certainly if you plan to supplement him with somebody like Hassan Haskins. Pass. Um, Jeff Simmons, pass. They got the contract done. Defensively, um, needing to fortify the uh, secondary. They brought in Sean Murphy Bunting, who looks like he's probably going to start on the outside, at least have the opportunity to win that starting job once training camp officially arrives. Um how they manage that circumstance is going to be really interesting. Again, the draft picks were on offense and uh, the free agency moves, linebackers, corners, uh, Arden Key, the pass rusher, right? I would say uh, they addressed those needs, though you don't know how much better they are for any of these needs at this point. I would say that a C-plus is completely fine with the incomplete grade being the skill position group, and we'll talk about DeAndre Hopkins here in just a second, um, right after I remind you that the Primetime show is made possible by the great people at the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage. Get the Intel Edge. You need to succeed with the Ashton team. The official real estate agent of the Nashville Predators can be found at GaryAshton.com. Don't sell without the Intel. Um, I think that, let's read some more of your comments here on the uh, on the grade that you would give uh, that you would give Rand Carthon after his first offseason. Eric Alonzo says he's knocking him. After his first offseason, Jesse Melton on YouTube, B minus, uh, or I, I maybe that's a, just a B hyphen, uh, either way. He had to improve the O-line, and he did that. Again, we don't know that they're better, Jesse, but he had to address the offensive line. He addressed it thoroughly. We don't know that they are going to be better. It might be a safe assumption to say they have to be better than they were last year. I would say that there is, uh, you know, there's nothing to indicate that a collection of largely unproven players, um, you know, a rookie first-round pick, a third-round pick who wasn't great, certainly, in his rookie year, but did start as a rookie, an undersized center who has been a guard primarily in the NFL to this point, a former first-round left tackle that couldn't crack the lineup of a Super Bowl contender, and uh, what they have in uh, a right guard, which is just a veteran swing man who's not good at anything in particular other than being able to play multiple positions. So again, I don't know that they're better. I know that Dennis Daly was awful. I know it's hard to imagine an offensive line situation that could be worse. But I do think that you can't assume anything. They are probably going to be better. By percentage chance, they have a high percentage chance of being better than the group that the Titans fielded last year. But again, you are assuming a lot of stuff about a lot of unproven commodities on this offensive line, and I'm not ready to make, you know, I'm not ready to give them any kind of benefit of the doubt until such 
time as I see that they've warranted it, right? I think there's a lot of uh, a lot, a lot. When you lay it out like that, okay, let's go across the line. Uh, to this point, a first-round pick at left tackle who hasn't done anything and couldn't crack the Eagles lineup. A first-round pick in Skaronsky, who just got here and may be great, but we have no idea what that's going to look like and has never played guard before. Brewer, again, the Brewer experience, underwhelming by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe center works better for him. I still have questions about his size. Brunskill, not a great player, uh, a good enough player to play multiple spots, and he's going to have to play uh, right guard at this point. I don't know how much better he's going to be. I know that I've seen him. I know that there's nothing about his game that excites me other than he's a body and he's different. And then NPF, who was not, listen, NPF, the best thing that happened to NPF last year was that he played on the same line as Dennis Daly because there's a lot of bad NPF snaps out there that were distracted from because of how bad Dennis Daly was. They are more athletic. They are certainly more athletic. And on paper, that uh, in or rather in practice, not on paper, but in practice, that does matter. Um, I do think to have a more athletically gifted offensive line is going to benefit the kind of system that they want to run. But like I said, let's not assume anything um, until such time as we have a sample size to judge these guys on. They haven't even put on pads in training camp uh, for for practices yet. They will in training camp, but we're six weeks away. So uh, let's uh, let's get into uh, how your opinion of how your grade might change, um, how your grade might change for the Titans offseason if they added DeAndre Hopkins. Let's do this on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. We'll talk about it together right after I remind you that the primetime show is made possible by TrueMath Fitness in the Gulch. Go to TrueMathFitness.com for your first workout free as a Middle Tennessee resident. TrueMath Fitness is the best place to work out with the best coaching staff. The boot camp style classes are my favorite mornings, afternoons, and evenings. You can get a great time to go in and get your workout in in an efficient manner. Improve your fitness with the best coaching staff around and an incredible facility located conveniently in downtown Nashville in the Gulch. TrueMathFitness.com. You can also go there to check out their membership options and your first workout is free. Um, Okay. So how might your grade change if the Titans somehow manage to land DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, Derek R. says his grade goes up to an A with D-Hop, given all the moves that Rand Carthon had to make this offseason. For Grim Jim 69 on YouTube, he says B with a D-hop at best. Eric Alonzo says, how do you all know that Rand is a good GM? This is his first GM job. We have no idea whether Rand Carthon is a good general manager. Um, we have no idea that Rand Carthon is a bad general manager. We have, I don't think, you know, I understand kind of an outline of what he's looking for in football players. Um, and certainly there are things that you like about the idea of what Rand Carthon is trying to build. But at this point, it's just ideas. Uh, they'll they'll put it, they are literally just now, or have been just now, putting it into practice, and we'll spend the next two months doing so before this team actually plays a game. So um, they didn't have the money, as Dr. Lipschitz points out, to make a splash play. That was not something that they were capable of doing. Um, they will have to create the money to make a splash play like DeAndre Hopkins, and again, that's something that they're capable of. But if you uh, if you pay attention to the reporting of Albert Breer, doesn't sound like DeAndre Hopkins was blown away at all by either the Patriots or the Titans 
um, based on the visits that he has just now taken. The meetings went really well. He had one-on-one time with Bill. How well could they have gone if he left? Well, he had one-on-one time with Bill. I think he's intrigued by the idea of playing for Bill. I know he communicated with the Titans while he was on the visit. He's got a close relationship with Mike Vrabel. All indications are he's still intrigued by the idea of playing for Belichick. What this tells me that he wants to wait till the start of training camp is that he's still holding out hope that he's going to play for a contender, like a true contender, like a Buffalo or Kansas City. And the one thing you want to watch here, Kansas City's got almost no cap space. They're working on a long-term deal for Chris Jones, their star defensive tackle, to lower his cap number. If that happens, the door could open back up to him going to the Chiefs. So I think really what he's waiting for is something like that to materialize right now because the money isn't great. It's not the Odell Beckham level, which was what he was looking for. And, like, absent the money, I think he does want to play for a true contender. So... That's where DeAndre Hopkins is right now. Um, It doesn't sound like there was anything overwhelmingly appealing about either of those things. Now, what Amar says uh, does seem like we're trending in that direction, right? That That the only thing really that's keeping the Chiefs from getting closer to the money that DeAndre Hopkins wants is the Chris Jones deal. They're going to do the Chris Jones deal, right? They're going to find a way to do the Chris Jones deal to bring down the cap hit if that allows them to free up finances this year to sign DeAndre Hopkins, um, you know, obviously that's bad news for the rest of the AFC. They could do it. Let's not say with relative ease, but it's not going to be terribly difficult, by the way. Two more runs on the board for LSU in the top of the ninth, keeping tabs on what's happening. Five nothing is what Tennessee trails by right now. Uh, just absolutely smacked one uh, for a, uh, I, I didn't see if it was a two run home run, uh, if they had somebody on base, but it looks like um, it was, uh, yeah, that one definitely went out. So I didn't see if they scored both runs on that homer, um, but certainly they are up five, nothing at this point, unfortunate. Anyway, looking at, a, okay, well, somebody is pointing out it was a two-run homer. Okay, thanks. I didn't I didn't see it in real time. I just saw the guy rounding the bases and looked up and they had gone up two runs. So, um, anyway, if they ultimately do the Chris Jones deal in Kansas City, they free up the money and the distance between the Chiefs, for example, who don't have a ton of cap space and the Titans or the Patriots isn't that vast, right? If they're a lot closer financially, if Kansas City has less far to go, to get closer to what the the Chiefs and Patriots have kind of put out there into the universe for DeAndre Hopkins to consider. Um, Well, that would be unfortunate, like I said, but it is very easy for them to do that. Now, Chris Jones has to play ball in this, and that's not necessarily something easy to accomplish. The defensive tackle money is crazy all over the place, and the Chiefs, you know, they still do have to manage around a half a billion dollar quarterback on the roster who at some point... He's going to get more, even more money than he's making right now. Um, so, you know, the longer this stretches out, the less likely that the Titans are to sign DeAndre Hopkins. It was always going to be that way, though. Um, but I do just think that it's important to keep that in mind as we move forward. All right, let's wrap things up with a gone viral video. It's a crazy scene. Uh, the the uh, most insane thing that I've seen on the internet in quite some time. This story of the, uh, this story of, what is happening with a an expedition, uh, a submarine expedition that was commercial 
people paid $250,000 to go down in a five-man, five-person submarine vessel to see the wreckage of the Titanic. Over two miles below the surface, and the results of which have seen this vessel and its five occupants go missing for the last two days. So uh, what caught my attention on the internet this week, we're going to get to this uh, submarine situation momentarily. Are you surprised right? to hear that? That was a hot button. Right after I remind you that the Primetime Show is presented by the wonderful people at Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook Sports app, and they will match your first bet up to $250 when you plug in the promo code A-T-O-Z. That's A-2-Z in the Superbook Sports app. College World Series, whether Tennessee advances or not, they're your best place to wager. They're your best place to bet NFL futures, prop bets as well. Nobody has better odds boost and promos than Superbook Sports. Download the app, plug in that promo code A2Z, and they'll match your first bet up to $250. Terms and conditions, Superbook.com. Gambling problem, call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. So um, this was a story. This is in two parts, and I honestly think both videos are worth playing. First, the details um, from TMZ on the entirety of the story. The second video that we're going to show you is courtesy of CBS that was done something like six months earlier on the vessel and the company OceanGate itself that ultimately felt like it forecast what has happened, which is that the vessel has gone missing and that the uh, construction of it was somewhat suspect. Hey, everybody. So rescue crews are desperately trying to find the submarine with five passengers on board that was supposed to explore the Titanic wreckage. Want to break down everything we know so far. So on Sunday, this thing called the Titan took off in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and about two hours into the trip is when the main vessel lost communication with the Titan. So among the five people on board is British billionaire Hamish Harding. Harding's definitely a well-known explorer. He actually also went up into space on one of the Jeff Bezos missions. We should note Hamish's stepson, Brian, actually posted to Facebook and was one of the first people to confirm that he was on the submarine that was missing. And puzzling to some people, just a few minutes after he announced that his stepdad was missing, he said that he was at a Blink-182 concert in San Diego. Now, obviously, Brian knew that he might get some heat for this, so he said, look, you may think that this is weird that I'm at this concert, but I love music, and music is healing for me, so people should lay off. Now, as for the Titan itself, it's only 21 feet long, five passengers can go on it, and in a news piece that was done before this incident happened, you kind of saw the controls of this thing, and a lot of the parts were store-bought. They showed off a light uh, that appeared to come from some sort of RV store, uh, and the controller itself kind of looked like a Nintendo or a video game controller to kind of navigate this thing and maneuver it. As I said, the search mission is getting really desperate with only about 35 hours left of emergency auction left in the vessel for those five on board, if they are even alive. We don't know if there was a power issue, if there's a pressure issue, uh, or kind of what led to the loss of communication with the main ship. We also now know that the US Navy is involved and they have sent a deep water lifting system uh, to the area where they believe this thing could be uh, in the event they find it and can try and pull it up from the ocean's bottom. Sure to stick to TMZ.com for continued updates on the search and rescue mission. Stephen King says on YouTube, Titan, the name of the vessel, sinking, great omen. Yeah. It's like the, the first game of the 2018 season. I think it was the 2018 season, 2018 or 2019, where they played the Colts. They honored Eddie George. Uh, no, not the first game, but the home opener 
of that season. They were going to honor Eddie George and Steve McNair, retire both of their jerseys. They had a big pyrotechnic show to start the game. They caught the field on fire. They lost to the Colts. It was a disaster. And ultimately, it foreshadowed a very difficult start to that season that they did well to try and manage and uh, correct. But it was still, <laughs> still the amount of foreshadowing. Now, in the TMZ story that you just saw, they mentioned a previous news story done by CBS on how the thing was constructed. This is the thing that kind of foreshadowed just how um, rickety <laughs> the construction of this vessel might have actually been. Service. An experimental submersible vessel that has not been approved or certified by any regulatory body and could result in physical injury, disability, emotional trauma, or death. Where do I sign? Oh, take your shoes off. That's customary. Okay. Wow. Inside, the sub has about as much room as a minivan. So this is not your grandfather's submersible. <laughs> we only have one button. That's it. It should be like an elevator. You know, it shouldn't take a lot of skill. The Titan is the only five-person sub in the world that can reach Titanic depths, 2.4 miles below the sea. It's also the only one with a toilet, sort of. And yet, I couldn't help noticing how many pieces of this sub seemed improvised. We can use these off-the-shelf components. I got these from uh, Camper World. We run the whole thing with this game controller. <laughs> Come on! It seems like. I mean, just complete nonsense. Complete nonsense. I saw some people doing things on the internet like which, what controller would, or what would your submarine controller look like and posting pictures of, I've got my Nintendo Switch in the office, posting pictures like, an, no free ads, but posting pictures like a Nintendo Switch. Imagine taking a Nintendo Switch, rigging it up to a situation like a five-person submarine constructed with store-bought parts and trying to guide yourself down to the depths. <laughs> it's nonsense. Camping world, camping world and game controllers. Seems legit, says Eric Castillo. Yes, uh, quite the disaster. Speaking of disasters, the radio show will be back at it tomorrow at 10 a.m. We'll have Diana Rossini of ESPN. She's going to uh, give us the latest on the DeAndre Hopkins situation here in Tennessee and around the league. What other people, what other teams are talking about this point at this point. So you can catch that tomorrow morning at 1030 on 104.5 The Zone. We'll also have the dumbest thing in sports this week um, and a pair of tickets to give away for the bowling event. Uh, the bowling event is coming up on July the 13th. I want to close the video, close the show out, and I didn't tell Bert this, so I'm going to do this in real time. But I want to start closing the show out because I know you guys hate the Jags fan video on uh, stealing the show, even though it makes me laugh. Um, I want to put this clip into the rotation until July the 13th. So the charity bowling event, it's the second time that we've been able to do a charity bowling event. And uh, this year's charity is an organization called Home Street Home. Here in Middle Tennessee, as, as many places around the country, there is a, a crisis for unhoused communities, the homeless community, in so many different places, and certainly Nashville feels a lot of it, given the rate of expansion where these people are being driven out of their camps, driven out of the things that they call home, home street home, right? And Stephen King, the guy who uh, is the uh, is the founder of the organization, himself homeless for five years, somebody who I consider a tremendous friend and somebody who I really want to find a way to help. Um, 
the bowling event, the charitable aspect of it. The tickets are available at 1045thezone.com. The proceeds go to benefit Home Street Home. For your ticket purchase, you can get solo tickets. You can get groups of four if you want to bring your team. You can get groups of eight if you want to bring a big team or split yourself up into two teams. Uh, you get food, booze, and four hours of free bowling with your ticket purchase in addition to those proceeds that go to benefit Home Street Home. Bert is going to drop the link in the uh, in the Zone TV chat to end this uh, to end the broadcast the next couple of nights, and I want you guys to watch a video about what these what they do at Home Street Home and why it's so important that they receive uh, some financial assistance at this point from those of us who are capable of helping. So I hope to see you July the thirteenth at Kings Bowl in Cool Springs here in Middle Tennessee. One zero four five thezonecom is where you go to get those tickets. And certainly uh, the great people at Home Street Home would be so happy and so uh, grateful for your help at this point. Now, um, the video is unfortunately still lo- loading and taking uh, some time to do so. I don't know if my Wi-Fi speeds are slow at this point, but as soon as that video is available to play, sorry, we're doing this a bit on the fly. But like I said, uh, we are going to drop the link into that. Um Puka, Puka also pointing out, uh, they have Venmo. They're in need of immediate assistance. For those of you who uh, who just saw my lights get darker in here, it's because Frank is now on my desk sniffing my laptop and blocking uh, one of my uh, one of my set lights in here. So thank you for that very much, Francis. We appreciate all your great production help around here. Uh, but yes, they are in need of immediate assistance. Immediate assistance. And while I would love for you guys to be able to join us and to purchase your ticket that way, if you would rather just donate straight to them, homestreethometn.org uh, is their website. You can donate online. You can find their Venmo to donate them to, uh, donate to them in the most easy way, the most convenient way. Home Street Home uh, is an incredible organization that Stephen and his wife, Miss Andy, um, have been helping those who cannot help themselves, right? We see them. See them all the time. I see them driving around my neighborhood, certainly. And like like everybody else, like there are moments where I'll catch myself avoiding eye contact. Or, uh, you know, in, in, in years past, before I met Stephen, rolling up the window, even, even though there's no, they, they pose no threat whatsoever and are just looking for somebody to treat them like human beings, treat them like one of us, right? Because they are. And it's difficult for a human being to go through their existence being completely ignored, completely um, disregarded, as so many of these people have. I, I invite you to watch this video uh, as we uh, as we wrap up tonight's primetime show and as we will continue to do the next couple of nights until this event goes down in less than a month. Um, and I appreciate you guys who are going to support, who are going to show up, and who are going to come to uh, Kings Bowl with us to have a great time. Here's the Home Street Home video. Very important. I got my belly full. And I got a nice place to sleep in my tent, and they help me all the time. It's only by the grace of God that he has placed people in my life for me not to experience some plights as others. Brother Steve and his ministry are a blessing. Bottom line, y'all fed me when I was hungry. I appreciate it. 
you know, uh, it's a, it's a blessing. Give us food, give us heat for the winter. A caring organi organization that that cares for the people in the community and just uh, feel feel better about living. It means we ain't gonna be cold this winter. The folks take care of them. Been providing us with propane, tents, food, hope, you name it, they got it. I don't know how to make it without them, to tell you the truth. My name's Stephen Young, and I'm the founder and executive director of Home Street Home Ministries. For nearly five years, I called this corner home. And during that time, I never saw one outreach worker from one organization. I stood here day in and day out wondering, do I matter? Does anybody really care? So when I founded Home Street Home, I did so with one purpose, and that was to make sure that we didn't leave anybody standing on the corner wondering, do they matter? Does somebody care? And that is why Home Street Home goes to where they are, wherever they are, in the city, in the outlying areas, we go to them. And that's what Home Street Home means to me.